Uh, this is Nick. Uh, you're listening to the DU Football Show, Drunkard United. Of course, up the blades and fuck the owls. How about that, Sam? Fucking Sheffield United finally win a fucking game. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, up well, on the back of my bet. Yes, the Graham, the Graham curse strikes again. If Graham picks you to win, you're definitely losing. You're never going to hit yep. a bet this year. You know that, right? Nope. Let's start the show. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston? Arsenal fans have another Sam. Great day, the fucking Gooner Graham. Stuff of a lord. Looks great in shorts. Sam Graham, Sam Graham, fucking United, fucking United. Hello and welcome to the Drunken United Football Show. A completely biased recap of the midweek's action is told by two common American schmucks. I am your host, Sam Houston. And across the way from me is the proud Peloton man, Samuel Graham. Sammy, how you doing? I've been getting so many pelters online about bringing this up and bragging about it uh-huh. from uh, one Mr. Taylor. Uh-huh. And I never bring it up because I don't fucking own a Peloton. You own a Peloton. I do not own a Peloton. Did your wife download the Peloton app? For her, you have I a don't Peloton. Take Thank you very class. much. We're recording at Studio H just outside the nation's capital. You can check us out on all podcast platforms. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with a footballing friend. Uh, that means, hey, all of you listening on Apple Podcasts, there's a lot of you, and there's not enough reviews to equal the number of you. So here's all you got to do five stars in the comments, write D back. That's it. That's all you got to do. You don't even have to say anything nice, just five stars, D back. That would be absolutely brilliant, and we would love that, and it would mean a lot to us. So, should you want to chat with us, there is many ways that you can. Sammy, why don't you tell the good people how they can get in touch? Yeah, besides going through the review section on uh, Apple Pod, you can also email in at dfootballshow at gmail.com or get in touch on the social medias, and we do chat back. It is us for real. Through the DMs, it's at dfootballshow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Fabulous. Sam and myself both work in the wine and spirit industry and both have a deep, passionate love for all things distilled spirits. So as the red-blooded Americans we are, we vow to have a drink in our hand throughout this show and every single show. Sammy, what whiskey are we sipping on tonight? So we have Chattanooga whiskey. This is our straight rye malt whiskey. Uh, it comes in at 99 proof or 49.5% by volume. This will run you between $39.99 um, and $44.99. Sorry about that. Um Rye is 60% of the mash bill, uh, and it earns high marks for originality. The nose uh, is lively with notes of chili powder, pepper, and paprika. Uh, paprika, along with licorice, fufernoose, um, candy dark berries, orange peel, and spearmint. The palate begins gently enough, then whips into a spice storm of chili peppers and spicy cooked meats with flavors of roasted pecan, dark chocolate, blackberry jam, more orange peel, and rich oak before a finish of dried oranges, vanilla syrup, and well-integrated spice. This got a panel rating from Whiskey Advocate of 92 and comes in on your 2020 uh, top 20 list uh, from Whiskey Advocate at number 18. 
few fun things about this. Uh, it actually has three different uh, strains of malted uh, rye in this. So, of course, you have your standard malted rye, rye that you use for rye whiskey. It also has caramel rye and malted chocolate rye in it as well, which are more uh, brewer's ryes that get used quite a bit. And it gives a really nice kind of roundness to the whiskey. It's quite nice. This is actually one we got the assist for. We got to give a shout out to um, Todd and Joy. Not only do they take care of drunk grams holding spatulas, they also <laughs> live in the great state of Tennessee. And when this came out, I sh- shot them a picture and showed them and said, hey, if you see this in one of your liquor stores, please get it to me. And they were like, well, what a quinky dinky. We're going to Chattanooga this weekend. We will pick it up for you. So they picked us up a couple of bottles and- since we're doing this through the magic of Zoom tonight, I have one. Sam has one. So we're both able to share a uh, dram over the internets of the exact same whiskey. Anything That's else we need to right, know, Sam? The old, uh, we need to drink responsibly. Uh, and that includes making sure both of your headlights are in working order. <laughs> yes, yes, that is very true. So let's get into it. All right, Graham. I'm going to keep it simple and sweet Fuck tonight. It. There was <laughs> six games. For the fixtures um, slash replay matches, uh, one of them was, in fact, actually a replay match. Um, and it gets spit, split into two midweeks. So there was this midweek, and then there'll be another six next week. Or it's either six or seven next week in the midweek as well. But we're just going to go right in order of the matches. So no breaks, no oso. Just going to go right down the six games. Starting, let's see here. We got Sheffield 1, Newcastle 0, Man U 1, Burnley 0, Everton 2, Wolves 1, Man City 1, Brighton 0, Tottenham 1, Fulham 1, no apologies, Arsenal 0, and Palace 0. Blades, winners of two straight, but they get their first Premier League win, Sammy. Yeah, um, I'm not really sure what Newcastle was up to in this game. Uh, They decided to set up extremely defensively uh, against the very obvious worst team in the Premier League, uh, with now, after collecting this win, their... um, Second worst team and second worst start, I'm sorry, in Premier League history. Yep. Uh, the other being Derby County from 0807, in which they only racked up 11 points the entire season. But fun fact, and this is, I actually did some admin, so you should be proud of me. Okay. Uh, Newcastle gave them four of those 11 points that season and was Derby's only win of the season was against Newcastle. <laughs> very fitting. Very, very fitting. So, um, yeah, absolutely fitting. And um, even more fitting when you, you look at Steve Bruce and just how out of ideas that he is. I just love the fact that you're looking to me for approval for the fact that you did admin. But go ahead, continue. <laughs> Good boy. I'm also I a terrible mistake from Ryan Frazier, mm. first off. And, and that really screwed new screwed the pooch for Newcastle. Sheffield did try to go forward and good on Billy Sharp. Hunter's goal for the club in lead play is fantastic for him. As a little bit of a soft penalty, but justified, I think, as well as the sending off was a bit soft, but also justified. Well, it was it um, was two bad fouls that would have been yellow cards separately, but they happen to be five minutes apart. And just because they're five minutes apart doesn't mean you still don't show the cards. I even wrote here, I was like, up a man for a half, still needed a penalty, and VAR to fucking bail them out to get them a win. You know? Yeah, no, it was not a good performance from <laughs> Sheffield United by any means. There was nothing but creative. Newcastle, without having... Um, Alan St. Maximum for the last month and a half or so, whatever it's been, Mm -hmm. uh, they have looked bang average at best, uh, if not creeping into the shit territory uh, (laughs) again. And to be so reliant on that one player to stretch the game for you, um, it 
could prove difficult for the rest of the season for them. Oh, we got to mention Kellen Wilson being a dickhead, proper dickhead form. Very first play of the game. Ball gets into uh, Ramsdale's hands. He runs up to the top of the box to go to punt it. Wilson just stands there. Ramsdale says something at him. Wilson doesn't move. So what Ramsdale should do is just take two steps over and punt the ball down the fucking field. He goes, no, I'm going to punt it. And he punts it right into him and almost fucking has the ball go like he bounces. Yeah. Like what, why, 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 why Ramsdale, you, the, <laughs> where you are right now as a club, you like the way luck is going for you. That ball probably would have went in the net and you know, yeah. he's a dick, you know, he, right. he used to be your teammate. You know, he's a dick. Why? Why are you allowing him to just yeah. ignore it? Like, just yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, I mean, maybe he was a dickhead to him in training down at Bournemouth last season. So, could be one that saw the opportunity to get him back. <laughs> Who knows? I, I, you never know. I mean, it's just because everybody's on the same roster together doesn't necessarily mean that they like one another. Frazier has been a bit of a fucking bust for Newcastle, man. Uh, big time. You know, between being injured and I, when really, he's out I think there, all three of them production. Have, yeah, Jeff Hendrick has had two good games out of the what now eighteen this season, nineteen right. this season, whatever we're actually looking at. I here. also think in Hendrick, um, it was just a matter of adding depth to the middle of their field because you knew the Longstaff boys and Shelby and Hayden were going to get a lot more time than necessarily Hendrick would. Right. Well, I mean, Jeff Hendrick was one of the best players on Burnley, and I think mm-hmm. definitely improved Newcastle. But I thought Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson would also. Yeah. And Callum Wilson hasn't scored nearly as many goals as I thought he would with Almiron, St. Maximo, and um, and even Shelby in yeah. the midfield that, that I thought he was going to finally get the supply and bringing Ryan Fraser with him as well. I thought he was going to get the supply that he needed. And Newcastle, we saw the last couple of seasons defensively with Dubravka, Lascelles, and Fabian Schar and, and contributing with goals on, along that <laughs> defensive line also from time to time. I thought Newcastle, not necessarily the European places, but I would have thought they would have had ninth, tenth, you know, kind of in their sights. Kind of, kind of felt the same. And right now, it looks like they're starting to drag themselves into the uh, into the bottom battle, you know, which is not absolutely. Good. Couple, couple results go to the wrong way to the wrong team, and next thing you know, you're seventeenth. You know, they're not that far ahead of that of that pile. Um, no, absolutely not. But you know, Steve Bruce, he never backs away from a challenge. <laughs> he walks right forward, directly fucking into it. Oh, here we go. That would bring up, we last week, we called out Keith directly and said, send us an email asking you and ye shall receive. Again, Keith, we have to have a conversation here. Three paragraphs, a PS, and then another sentence afterwards. (laughs) Too much, my friend, too much. But we'll give you a little bit of shout out here. So, uh, boys, it warms my heart to know how much you miss me. And your timing is perfect because I just finished wiping the blood from my eyes after watching Newcastle leave the field against Sheffield. I can't call that performance. I can't remember watching a team that bad. My question to your boys is, is Steve Bruce the worst manager in the league? No one else can uh, play a lineup like that against the worst team in the league who have proven they can't score. I'm not going to read the rest of it. He does, except for at the end, because flattery gets you everywhere. Great interview with Ben. I hope I hear more of that in the future. Why? Yes. Um, and a lot of it is about him not blaming VAR, blaming the manager. He really has it in for Bruce. And I say justifiably so. I think to answer his, to answer his question, I'll go ahead and answer it first there, Sammy, um, is absolutely positively. 
Bruce actually has pieces. He could actually do something with this team, and he is not. Period. End of discussion. Yes, he is currently the worst manager in the Premier League. Yes, I think that part of the issue, though, is a lack of competition for places. Um, in terms of Andy Carroll, Callum Wilson knows he's not going to actually replace him. Joel Linton's already proven to be a bust, although he works hard. Well, Linton's hurt so, right now as well. But who is there to motivate Callum Wilson to stay sharp, to, to turn on the flare, to, to get the goals he needs to get? Because he knows he's not going to lose his place to any of that lot. He now, knows it's not going to happen. So I think that's part of the issue is the lack of competition for places. I would. But, that's where I would disagree with you because I now up front I would say yes, but the rest of the pitch with with everybody healthy, which they do have a few injuries, and that's not making excuses because everybody has injuries. I feel like there's a lot of people in the middle of the pitch that they can put in. There is competition for places. I feel on defense there's competition for places. I feel on the defensive wings there's competition for places. I just don't think Bruce knows how to use what all he has. I feel like he has a fairly decent team and he should be certainly, certainly doing better with this squad than he is. I can't really argue against that um, to be fair. Uh, But yeah, I I would probably rank him among the worst managers in the league. The changes he makes, the way in which he sets his team up, the just everything leaves you wanting more. The Blades um, at least play for Wilder. Again. The Blades at least play for Wilder. They at least fucking right. bust their ass for him, right? Which is the minimum you can ask, right? And at least it appears that West Brom is trying to do what Sam does wants him to do. I don't think they are physically capable of doing so, but it does appear like the message has gotten into their brain, you know? Right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Bruce has a fucking message is the problem. Now, I, I, I'm pretty sure they must have had like a sausage roll sale, two, two for one at Tesco's for the last month and a half because he's pretty much checked out. It, it feels like it is. I, I, want, I wonder if he's going to be safe for the season. He probably is just because Ashley doesn't fucking care and he wants, a, he wants a yes man who will do whatever he wants and not ask for anything. Well, you that's know? the other thing. He might not give a shit because he went and asked him for money in January and Mike Asson said no, so he might fuck it off himself. He's like, all right, fine, fuck you then. Very true. All right, so let's go ahead and roll into the next game with Manchester United and Burnley. Man, you are at the top of the table. And Graham, if you would mind giving me the floor for a moment, I have a quick PSA for all Manchester United fans. Sure. Shut the fuck up. Y'all some crybabies that have been bitching and moaning since Ole took over the team. Calm the fuck down. Seriously. Calm the fuck down. Yeah. Just already expecting it to come. Just settle the fuck down. I found it kind of interesting. They decided to go with the zebra shirts. Those are the ugliest fucking jerseys ever. As if we all couldn't see them from a mile away, getting ready to implode on themselves in a, a mound of masturbation. Yeah. Because of this win. Um, we also had to watch them do it. I felt like I was in prison watching the game mm-hmm. with the black and white stripes there. It was terrible. Like I did some bathtub uh, acid in jail. For, fortunately for me, I was so, watching my match. All I did was watch the highlights of this one. So Burnley had no shots on target yeah. and 
can't win a football match if you don't put the ball on on goal. Also, uh, do you expect Burnley in that match to be going for that? You know, they're probably no, gonna... of course not. But you expect them to have one or two chances. Yeah. And they didn't even manage that, really. Um, well, it's a hell of a note when, uh, you know, a defender for Manchester United has his hand over top of his head and swings the arm down as it hits a ball. But that's not a handball, according to VAR. No, they probably couldn't see him with that fantastic camouflage they had on. <laughs> Precisely. There was a very interesting VAR call where um, at one end of the field, Cavani had gotten fouled. And uh, I want to say it was uh, Bradley had gotten the yellow card for it. And they thought that they were checking VAR to see if he was last defender, getting rid of a clear goal scoring opportunity. But what they were really checking was all the way at the other end of the pitch where Luke Shaw had come in on. um, I forget who it was he came in on, but came through, got a little bit of the ball, but definitely got a whole lot of ankle with a whole lot of spike up. And what ended up happening was is the call at the one end for Cavani the yellow card got rescinded and it went all the way back for a foul on Shaw. Wow. But no card. Mm. So it was like, uh, just very odd, weird. very odd. Yeah, that is strange. <laughs> Unworthy to be top of the table, in my opinion, based on this performance in microcosm. But they have been playing well the last few weeks. Paul Pogba was great today. Apparently decided to put on his big boy pants and play football for a change. That is called, um, that is called the sell me reel. Yeah. They, uh, they did only manage just a few shots on target, though, um, from seven overall shots. I thought they could have created more. But it was a good volley from Paul Pogba, uh, even though I think Nick Pope could have done better uh, with that one. I didn't I, think it was I struck think, very I, well, but I it was the deflection. The, I think the deflection is what got him. He was he lo- It looked like he was per- thinking that um, Pogba was going to his right. He already started going to his right, and then he just grazed one of his defenders on the way and came back and went right through the legs. I don't... If he hadn't have tried to dive early, he probably might not get beat because he might have been tree trunked in the ball. Had time to get there. I yeah. mean, it wasn't the best strike in the world, but <laughs> I mean, it was it was placed well. Um, like you said, the deflection took it away from the keeper a bit. Yeah, kind of wrong footed him for a second. All in all, it's a good win. It's an ugly win. Playing Burnley, and, that's how you got to win. You know, and for as much as we hate to say it, and I, you know, I've been in a very generous mood since the Christmas holiday. Um, so I've, I've been saying a lot of things that, that hurt my own feelings as they come out of my mouth, but, um, having a Liverpool Manchester United game that actually means something is good for the league. It is. It is. And that's what we have coming up, uh, this weekend. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. To be honest with you. It's even, even if it's to hate, watch it. Every person who likes the premier league is going to watch that match. I hate both of those teams with the fire of a thousand suns. I'm going to be sitting on the couch watching every minute of that match, even if it's to yeah. mock it incessantly, but I will be watching that fucking match. I mean, there's, there's no getting Absolutely. away from it. Um, I mean, this is, this is the British El Clasico that hasn't meant anything for better part of eight years now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, since and Sir Alex does, left. So. And even when Sir Alex was still there at the, at that period of time, Liverpool wasn't doing all that. That's great. what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. Liverpool wasn't great yet. I mean, they had the one season they finished in second, but there was no sustained uh, under Brendan Rodgers. But there was no sustained pressure from Liverpool like there was. Yeah. So and maybe we'll say the same thing about Manchester United in two years' time, where this was the one glimmer of hope in the last decade to to make this mean something again. But mm. 
I'm excited for it uh, this weekend, and, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that on Injury Time. <laughs> yes, course, we will. <laughs> which you can find at www.patreon.com backslash do you football show and sign up to one of our top two tiers to get all the extra content. If only you were about a half a second quicker when I had finally gotten my breath back, I was ready to talk, and that's when you popped in the uh, plug. So, so we're on Zoom. We're on Zoom. There's a little bit of a delay. Gotcha. Very good. <laughs> now, um, one quick shot on uh, Burnley here before we head off. Now, the new ownership is great, and that's that's all well and good. If they don't go pick up a couple of pieces in this month, if the wrong person gets hurt, they're right back in the thick of this bottom battle if they don't pick up pieces. They have to pick up some pieces right now. Absolutely agree. Um, 39-year-old or whatever he is now, Jay Rodriguez, is not the answer if Chris Wood or Ashley Barnes go down. Um, they could do themselves a central midfield uh, player. Central midfielder, well as, another defender as well. I think Tarkovsky wants to leave, so they're going to need to bring somebody in at some point anyway. Yep, might as well get um, someone I think in there to start working him in. in the summer. Yep. Uh, but I also think that they, they could really use an, another winger. McNeil can't do it all by himself. They're, going forward, they are getting quite predictable. You know, even if it was who fit into the box, there's no even like wall pass, you know, up to the big boys and lay yep. it off for a, a hit from the edge of the box or something. There's none of that shit. Right. It's get it to McNeil, whip it in the box. Get it to McNeil, whip it in the box. Dance around the box, try to get a free kick, float it in to Ashley Barnes or Chris Wood. And that's yeah. all they do. It's I can manage a team against them. I mentioned this last week, and it's worth bearing repeating. Uh, go find yourself a championship keeper to be your backup to Nick Pope. Because if you lose him, it's a 21-year-old academy player who got worked by Manchester City. That is not who you want in the net to finish out the season. If God forbid something happens to Pope and he's done for the year. You need right. to have an emergency plan. You have to have an emergency plan. I mean, in the position they're in currently, <laughs> if, if if he gets COVID and he's down for two weeks, they could be in trouble. Yeah. These games are coming as thick and fast as they do in the championship two, at the moment. Two weeks can be four games. That's Absolutely. how quickly and, it's coming right now. Right. And if you don't have Nick Pope in the net, I mean, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to be losses or nil-nil draws. Right. Right. Yeah, you're in trouble. All right, so let's move on to uh, Everton-Wolverhampton. Uh, both sides missing uh, a handful of key offensive players, and it absolutely showed. I mean, sure, there was three goals in this match, but there was, it seemed plenty of control by both teams and back and forth, but just no one there to want to put the ball in the back of the net. I mean, for fuck's sake, Gilfie well, Sigurdsson was recognized striker on the field. It was Gilfie Sigurdsson was the recognized <laughs> striker. He's not a recognized striker. Yeah, it was a, a really strange lineup um, and a very unusual tactic for Ancelotti. This is more up Pep's alley. <laughs> you know, Ancelotti, I don't think has ever done this in his career that I've noticed with play with a false nine like that. Mm -hmm. But he did here. Words but you even, never want to hear. Maybe he should do it more often because within six minutes, Alex Awobi scored. Yeah, what words? Words you never want to hear. And the cross is coming in to Gilfie Sigerson. Yeah, <laughs> not words you want to hear because the words. What's gonna? That ball is not gonna get won by Gilfie Sigerson. 
Uh, because Iwobi. he'll probably be at the base of midfield for absolutely no reason because he likes to wander. Yes, he does. Just, <laughs> you know, he's Icelandic. He just walks around the yeah. fucking, the, uh, you, you've been I, to the country. I've been he there. Just, they do that. He likes a wander about, right? Yeah. Um, Awobi with that first goal, you know what? Quietly putting together a sneaky good year for Everton. Yeah, absolutely. Sneaky good year. He's, he's come under a lot of criticism <laughs> from time to time. And, um, and I think it's good for him. He's kept his head down. He's worked hard. He's kind of thrived in that right wing back role for the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, moving further up the pitch again, when Seamus Coleman has come back, um, he's still been solid, uh, even in those positions. So I, I really like what he's doing this year. And, you know, not he's not trying to do too much like he did in his last season at Arsenal, mm-hmm. taking on two, three, four players at a time. And then his final ball was garbage. So it was like, oh, it looks <laughs> great on the highlight reel, but nothing actually comes of it. I, he's adding he's adding that final ball to his game, uh, much like we said about our Dama Traore, mm-hmm. uh, you know, last season, adding that little bit of intelligence, that little bit of, you know, know when to release it mentality. Like, I, now's the time. And he actually executes versus hold it for an extra two touches or what have you. Intrigued to see once everybody's uh, healthy, you know, knock on wood that that happens. But I could see, you know, you know, um, Allen and DeCorey as holding midfielders. Let James sit in the middle behind the three of Awobi on the on the right, Richie on the left, and Dominic down the middle, and let James be able to just kind of create passes and move yeah, wherever he wants. wants. That could be a dangerous little lineup. It really could be, especially because with Allen and DeCorey, there's plenty of coverage behind them. And the one thing I think Awobi's added to his game He's paying attention to defense. And I think that's because he had to play that right wing back for a little while. It's yep. when he's up top, he doesn't, he tracks back now, which is big. And that's, you know, good on Absolutely. him. I mean, it, it balances your side in, in that sense. You know, whoever is on that right-hand side doesn't have to take on two players yeah. um, every time they're they're in a defensive situation. The other, the other thing I'd say there is you left out Gilfie in that team. And I think I figured out the perfect role for him. What is it? The other side of Ancelotti. <laughs> so you've got Carlo in the middle. Here's your big three. And this is a big three that any management team in the world would fucking scoff at and be nervous about. Mm-hmm. Got Carlo Ancelotti with his razor sharp eyebrows. You got big Duncan, his fucking baseball or cricket bat, whatever he used to beat those intruders <laughs> with on the left. And you've got dazed and confused Gilfie Sigurdsson on the right hand side. And that makes you nervous because you don't know what he's going to do. Is he paying attention? Is he going to play a splitting pass? Does he even know where he is right now? To quote, to quote Charlie <laughs> Day, to quote Charlie Day from Sunny in Philadelphia, wild card. <laughs> I'm the wild card. You never know what you're going to get. A little bit on Wolves. A great equalizing goal. Good for uh, Everton to not bother to cover the three wide open guys on the weak post, but it was a well finished yeah. ball. Really, towards the end of the first half, it seemed like Wolves really had the control of the game, but. It just never clicked for him. The whole match, it never clicked for him. Neves got a free it's, kick that went off the pipe, and but I mean that was it. Never really seemed to like to get over the line. It's it's so hard with with that young kid. Uh, what's it, Fabio Silva? Silva up front. Yeah, it's so hard because he's he looks a good player, but it's very evident he's not ready. Yeah, well, it also you know, hurts a it, ton. This more. is somebody that should be playing, you know, a couple of cameos every other week. And start getting his legs underneath of him. But with that horrific injury to Raul Jimenez, right. he's been thrust into the limelight. And Wolves 
famously don't like to rotate their squad very much. Well, and what so, also hurt them there too is for this game, no potence, no triori. That right. real I mean, it just basically said, Okay, Nieto, it's 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 your game. You, it's you, you, yeah. you have to do it all. And he and to his credit, he really fucking hustled. He really controlled the 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 front of the game and he really had the ball a lot and was really kind of probing and asking questions of of Everton, but if he's the only fucking guy, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Right, exactly. And then uh, finally, there's a new big meaty forehead in the Premier League, Sam. Mickey fucking King. Keen, get up and be counted, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> what a header. My problem with Brutal. this is, my problem with this is, it is a big meaty forehead, but it ain't French. So no. I'm not inter- I'm not interested. No, it's, uh, he 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 himself directly had one hell of a match. I mean, I don't know if he ended up with man of the match for uh, for that match for Everton or not, but he certainly deserved it. He was great on both ends of the field, and again, another one of those sneaky, quiet, good seasons. You know, I think yeah, <clears throat> what Ancelotti's offered is okay, boys. This is your job. This is what I need you to do. You know, Absolutely. why is Tom Davies not been a complete disaster like he was the last two seasons? Because he goes in and does exactly what Ancelotti tells him to do. Well, so. Absolutely. I, but they have they have a plan. They know their job. They know their role. And, <laughs> you know, all at that point, the onus is on them to just do it, to, to take responsibility and do what's been asked of them. They don't have to worry about stepping outside themselves, playing beyond themselves, having some sort of magic spark that doesn't exist within them, like they're having some sort of Jedi fucking awakening. You know what I mean? They yeah. they know their role. They go out. They execute the game plan. And Carlo Ancelotti is the winner of multiple Champions Leagues for that reason. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's it's those tactics that work. It's, it's when every role is defined and the players can have a, a, a touch of freedom within that. And you see what happens. You balance the team sheet and you're fucking good to go. Yep. Uh, let's go ahead and keep it moving. We already spent too much time on a rather mediocre game, to be honest. And and I support one of the teams, Manchester City and Brighton. Uh, the score does not reflect how much City absolutely 1,000% dominated this match. Yeah, they had two-thirds of the ball. They had 16 shots on target, but they – I'm sorry, 16 shots, but they only put six on target. It was – actually very unlike them very wasteful of them i thought Riyad morris missed a hat trick yeah easily three wide opens you know reckon um uh silva puts one off the pipe on a nice little turnaround in the second half and sterling puts a penalty in fucking rose ed (laughs) yeah i mean but this is again this is what happens when there's no strikers or even fake strikers (laughs) what we said about ancelotti never did not having this in his repertoire pep has never even done this. Right. Uh, in, in terms of there's not even somebody there that you could consider a striker in that starting 11. Uh, so, or a false nine or what have you. I mean, it was a stretch back at Barcelona when he had Fabregas <laughs> do it, but this was even worse than that situation. So we talk about, um, you know, the fact that they had all these opportunities to score, but the goal that they actually scored on. Um, Sam, where do you never want to get beat if you're a keeper? Uh, that'd be the near post. Where did this keeper get beat? Uh, right there on the near post because he showed him all of the all near. Of but he was I. It would have been better if he actually, you know, framed it a nice little Instagram frame, <laughs> put a little funny mustache in it for him to hit the ball off of. I mean, yeah, 
he stood in the center of the goal when the ball was clearly on the right-hand side or the left-hand side of the pitch because of them coming down the field. But like, I mean, just left it wide open and then is surprised that the ball gets by him on a not very well hit shot from Foden. It was not a great strike at all from Joel Foden. Foden passed that one into the net. I mean, it counts. Yeah, absolutely. It it counts. But he's he's in fine form lately and it seems like everything, every time he touches the ball, turns to gold all of a sudden. Um, I think this is what everybody expected when David Silva uh, went back to Spain. Um, for this kid to pop up and start making moves. Now, the difference is, is he doesn't have the maturity in his game yet to kind of slow down and, and pick and choose money. He's 100 miles an hour all the fucking time. Yeah. If he can find that maturity, I think City will once again find their stride. City, now top four, two games in hand, have not lost in 11 straight Premier League matches, yet somehow they're being overlooked right now. Yeah, I, I, I still can't help but... <laughs> think that they're one injury away from fucking it all off. I agree. Um, I agree. Now, John Stones has been immense this season after being in the wilderness for the last two years. But if he goes down and Laporte's still out. Laporte's healthy, but Laporte hasn't been playing very well. Well, Diaz has been playing very well. And then uh, John Stones, they just complement each other. Agreed. You have a situation where maybe Laporte doesn't. uh, And he comes back in, hasn't played football in two months. And they, you know, a little bit of rust, drop two games, then what? Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if Liverpool keeps rolling the way they're rolling at the moment. So uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very hard situation to look at because of the condensed schedule, because of the, the multitude of restrictions, the propensity of footballers to break those restrictions for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, just as a community, they seem to do that a lot. And, if they, you know, two, three players drop out like they had a couple of weeks ago, well, all of a sudden you're looking at a very different roster. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no. so I think they're they're playing very well. They have every opportunity, but it's still on a knife's edge. Anything th- could drop at any moment. I think everybody notices and pays attention when those game in hands are played and you finally see them in first place or in second place behind by a point then I think everybody takes them seriously. But I think with those games that need, and, and we've talked about it, it's it's Villa and it's Everton, which are both potentially losable games because yep. both of those teams are playing very good football right now. Absolutely. Um, it's not like United's game, which was Burnley, who's been, eh, you know? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Brighton needs to be careful. They need to be real careful. Fulham yep. keeps getting points. And at some point, Fulham's going to get the right points and Brighton's going to get the wrong points and Brighton's going to find themselves in 18th place. Yeah, it's very, it's very possible. They just, again, I mean, I, it's hard because city is so good and they're near full strength. They, that Brighton's supposed to be the footballing side of the bottom half. They couldn't even get a, a, a sniff of the ball in this game. Yeah. Well, um, and that's, that's, they, they're their strikers like, aren't scoring there. It's, there's a lot of red flags here that scream, <laughs> You might be going down here, guys. You got They need to put together a couple of performances in a row, a couple of wins mm-hmm. in a row, and get some points on the board quickly and maintain some distance. You look at and the they're score. Just, they're just not doing it. You look at the score, and it's you know they lose one nil to City, and you want to think, oh, okay, that's great. No, that game could have easily been six or seven nil. Should have been six or seven nil. Correct. And great, they packed it in, but that packing in didn't work because they were giving up so many opportunities. 
And well, he, what was the one stupid thing? They got uh, knocking the ball around their box. They almost gave it away three fucking times mm-hmm. in the second half. Yep. Um, so, trying to play out from the back for absolutely no fucking reason. At some point, just get rid of the goddamn ball. Do do that to Southampton. They're going to make you pay. Like that's a team who yeah. loves the press. Like there, there's do that to Liverpool. They're going to make you pay. Like, I mean, now I know they recently got the draw against uh, Liverpool, but you know, gotta be careful. Let's it. I'm, I'm, I, I've been saying it and I'm more and more and more, the more I'm watching Fulham play and watching Brighton play, I feel far more confidence in Fulham than I do in Brighton, you know? Yeah. They, they pretty much swap spots in my heart as well from the beginning of the season where Brighton <laughs> were getting a couple of points here and there. They were, you know, showing they were kind of make, taking mm-hmm. the next step, you know, kind of started when project restart happened, lost, the, um, lost a few games, but they lost them with some spunk and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. The, 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 this, this team will get it right. And they just, they haven't, it just hasn't clicked, yeah. you know? So moving on to Fulham and Tottenham, Fulham find out on Monday. Hey, by the way, you're going to play on Wednesday. And, and all Parker did was just kind of go, well, I mean, thanks for the heads up mates. Like really appreciate it. And Jose did a Jose. <laughs> One of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard a manager say. In my life, <laughs> he'll apologize. He'll apologize when he sets his line. Yeah, so if, they, if they said a weekend team up out, if they, you know, because we have the same amount of time to prepare for them. And if they play, they played almost full strength on the weekend. And if they send out a weekend team, they'll need to apologize to us. They'll have to apologize to us. But if they play full strength side, I'll be first one to say sorry to them. <laughs> Well, I didn't hear that in the post match. No, I didn't hear the, no, we didn't. <laughs> I did not hear the "I'm sorry" from uh, from Jose. No, we didn't. Uh, I and also didn't hear him apologize to his own fans for trying to not cross <laughs> midfield after halftime. Jesus, uh, Scotty in the uh, post presser was like, um, "I don't need to apologize to any for anybody. I need to worry about my club." It was like, "Yeah, there you go, Scotty." Well, remember, I think Jose was the one that ended Scott Parker's Chelsea career, if I'm not mistaken, years ago. I think he sold him on to maybe Portsmouth or someone. Okay, uh, years ago, um, it was the last time he played for a top club. Uh, I'm sure of that. But mm-hmm. Mourinho was the manager. It was during his first stint. He sold Scott Parker on. Was it? To, it might have been West Ham or Fulham because that's I thought so it could have been. Yeah, um, I just I don't recall. It was a long time ago now, but right. Yeah, he. Um, yeah, so th- there's obviously some sort of grudge there, some sort of bad blood. Fulham, Fulham bossed the the pace of play. They I really did. So. And Areola was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really good game. I, Jose did this at United and, you know, I know we were praising him back in early November and early December because they were top of the table and it seemed like everybody was buying in. But if they're, if, if you're not getting the results you want at some point, Jose, take the fucking foot off the brake and put it on the fucking gas again, much like when it was with Manchester United, he's driving a Ferrari at 25 fucking miles an hour. Right. That my my problem, uh, the other thing I have with, with Spurs at the moment is, is where's Harry Kane saying, all right, guys, fuck him. Fuck what he says. This is what we're going to do. When Fulham scored that equalizer, why didn't, hey, everybody come here. Have a quick huddle on the way back to midfield. Yeah. Fuck what he says. We're going balls to the wall. This is what we're going to do. We where lose to the one. We lose to the, the one field? trying to win. Yeah. Where is the general on the field? That's grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck. That's picking up. I mean, you know, take it back to to, to days of old with Patrick Vieira at Arsenal. He would like Wenger would be yelling from the sidelines, and Vieira would tell him to shut the fuck up. We got this. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and he'd get the boys together and go, hey, listen, fuck off. The next five minutes, we're going balls to the wall. We're getting that goal back, period. And they would do it. And then they'd be like, all right, boss, we'll settle back into your system. But where is that for Spurs now? It's, it's, they're a bunch of, they're, literally, they're a bunch of robots. Is some of the most um, valuable ex, uh, uh, attacking talent on the face of the planet at the moment, arguably one of the top three strikers in the world. Yeah. And they're tying games one-to-one. Yeah. At, at one point, uh, at one point, the start of the game, Harry Kane and uh, Hyunmin Song separately each had more goals this season than the entire Fulham starting 11 combined. <sighs> Two players more than doubled what they had in total goals. It's like why and the Fulham are showing signs of life. They're they're playing better, but they're still not necess- they're not anywhere near the class of the league if you will. So why not go after them? Why not fucking attack them? I mean it, it's like Steve Bruce and Jose Mourinho took the same self-help class. Yeah, get get one, then go get a second. Go get a fucking second. Don't fucking sit back and let them bind the game. Put them on their ass. I mean, you did it. You did it to fucking United earlier this year. Fucking put them on their fucking ass. Don't take the foot on the break. Like it's uh terrible to watch. Terrible to watch. Well, mm. you already uh you I think you've already talked about Arsenal enough, so we really don't need to talk about this match. Oh, that's right, because nothing really fucking happened in this match. Yeah, no, nothing um, did happen. I was just gonna look up the stats for you to, to show you how poor it actually was. I will say um give you a chance to laugh at me. Formation changes for both sides. Uh Palace went with two up top instead of the lone striker and the wingers. And uh, you guys went with uh, four in the back instead of your three with wingers as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think before you get into the stats, my my big point out for your side is you don't know how it, you don't know how to crack a, a team that's going to play a smart defensive game. Like no, we yeah, still I, haven't quite figured that out yet. I, Everton made you kind of just null and void, and when you when you played us in in December, same thing happened here. It was like, you know, okay, Guaita made a couple of saves, and and Leno made a gorgeous diving save in the match. Yeah, but it was just. It, I, I think part of our problem too is that we have um, we have had the propensity since Wenger to try to walk the ball in the back of the net. And I can count on probably all 10 fingers maximum in the last three, four years of goals that we've scored from outside the box. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, we're continuing on that trait of holding the ball and not shooting. It's, it's as simple as that. It's not shooting. Well, you know, um, who, you know who did like to shoot? Um, Hector Bellerin, who decided to run right in front of Lacazette because he fancied himself a fucking number 10 and uh, took a flat sitter right off of Laka's foot. <laughs> would have would have loved those fantasy points had he had he pulled that off. But yeah, so Arsenal had over two thirds of the ball, but just four shots on target. Uh, Crystal Palace had two shots on target, but overall shots, Palace outdid us 12 to 11. Mm-hmm. Touches, passes, tackles. Uh, Arsenal were uh, top in each category. Crystal Palace did stand on their head defensively, though they had 24 clearances. Um, and both teams only won offside. But they're, you're right, there's really not much to talk about in this game. Uh, there were two yellow cards handed out, yeah. so something happened. 
but even that I forget. So it wasn't that tough, memorable. Tough defensive match. Uh, I, I would say for Palace, like I said, going with the two strikers up top with Benteke and uh, Zaha was not a bad move. I kind of liked it myself uh, because then you go with Ezzy and Townsend on the on the outside and Mitchell from the back is a little prone to run forward. But then you have, you know, your two holding midfielders who are going to stay back. So you're still holding that Roy's kind of classic staunch defensive ball, but you're allowing there to be some creativity up top. And I I, I kind of liked that out of out of Palace a little. It's 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 a little something different and um, something that Palace fans are always very critical of Roy for is just being a little too stale at times. And it right. was it was interesting to see him kind of mix it up a little bit, you know. Yeah, definitely. The the <laughs> other positive that I would say for Arsenal, I just uh, just looked it up. That's three straight clean sheets in the league. Um, four overall uh, in all competitions because of their FA Cup clean sheet uh, right. at the weekend. So that's obviously positive. Uh, after we were shipping goals left and right for about two months. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's definitely a positive we can take. And and I, I honestly believe the goals will come. We just have to figure it out. I, I wouldn't have accepted that trade with you for Aubameyang if I didn't think it was going to happen. Well, I hope you enjoyed the participation points and the uh, hey, one shot. Hey, point. I got participation points and a clean sheet, which is something you didn't get. Uh, it's exactly what Ezzy got, the guy you traded to me. It's time to tell you what little we know it is prediction time. Uh, we all lost except for Pat, who picked the fucking weekend and not the midweek. Uh, Graham, <laughs> you are now down $869. Yeah, get in. So what you got now, crunk kid? Three-way parlay. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> uh, this one should be fairly straightforward, though. I got Wolves to beat West Brom, Leeds to beat Brighton, and Arsenal to beat Newcastle. Uh, and that comes in <laughs> at a whopping 380 So it's not really even truly worth it, mm. to be yeah. fair. Well, and, and unfortunately, I'm betting one of those games, which means you're going to fuck me over. Thanks a lot, Sammy. Appreciate it. Um, we're going to talk with uh, Pat on Monday, and I'll make sure he actually knows what fucking set of fixtures to bet because he's got two of them. And I'll make sure we don't do it on a Saturday on text when we've all been drinking heavily watching the Washington football team lose a playoff game. So yeah. I'm on a bit of a losing streak, and I now find myself in the hole minus $55. But when you use my tried and true system, Big Sam's Lock of the Week, anything is possible, Graham. Anything is possible. I'm damn right it is. 31.5% of the time, it works 100% of the time. Those stats literally mean anything could happen in any moment. <laughs> a third of it you'll win, a third of it you'll push, and a third of it you'll lose. <laughs> It's not down 869. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Give me leads to beat Brighton and the over two and a half goals. So I'm doing a parlay. So leads to win by over two and a half. So at least a three nil win. And that is plus 480. And daddy is back flying high again, my brother. Now, that was a pretty good segment. But we have... One pissed off piece of poultry that has words for you, Mr. Graham. We <laughs> have Kitty the Chicken. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kitty was not happy with Graham. Uh, apparently, she didn't like being pressured into taking Tottenham. Nope. She did not like that last second call. She was not happy about it, Sam. No. In fact, she was listening to Billie Eilish as I walked up to the coop and complained, Brock, what the hell, 
Graham talking about? Get my pretty name out of his mouth. Oh, shit. She's down with the new songs. How about that? <laughs> she currently sits seven at ten. And this week I gave Kitty the city and palace match. Yep. Kitty, the city and palace match. Now, Kitty pulled up Aaron Rodgers Instagram live from this weekend where Aaron, David Hasselhoff, and Kitty were watching the FA Cup win for City because, you know, the Packers had a bye week. Aaron and the Hoff both love a good burger and Man City. <laughs> so Kitty is going with a City win. Remember Hoff with the burger? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I got you with the Billie Eilish, didn't I? That was pretty I brilliant. Still, well, Tegan listens to it, so I actually got the reference. <laughs> and always, everyone, please do remember to gamble legally and responsibly. Only having six games gave some very riveting scores. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a few thoughts on that. Please go ahead. Uh, so we have me beating Elliot 29 to 23. We have Keith somehow scoring 52 fucking points over Allen's 22. <laughs> uh, Ray in the, in by far the match of the week, uh, Ray beat Kenny 11 to six. <laughs> Russ lost to Taylor 20 to 16. And here's the, the thought. Sam's taint. Here's, here's the thought on that one. Taylor beat him strictly on participation points. It was more just really? some points across the board. <laughs> That's funny. That's very funny. Um, Chris lost to JB, 18 to 23. Alberto took care of Smokey, 15 to 8. Rob just lost out to uh, Her Highness Lindsay, 18 to 17. And Sam took care of Geckle, uh, big time, 25 to 4. Uh, Geckle um, is proud to know that he finally lost with the lowest points in the league for the week. Ever. Not yeah. having the highest points in the league. Yeah, for once. Um, that puts, sadly enough, as Manchester United storm into first place. I, uh, Ray is doing some shit talking in the Drunkard United Facebook football club, pointing out that not only is uh, Man U at the top of the table, so is he. Ooh. Yeah. You know, they, he is. They, it, that's what Man U fans do, man. They win a couple of games. Suddenly they chesty as fuck. That's it. So Ray's in first, 12-2-4. and four. Uh, Allen drops down to second, still not having drawn a game, but lost six. Uh, JB uh, is in third. Elliot down to fourth. Smokey down to fifth. Sam, you stayed in sixth. Incredibly mediocre of you. I am up to seventh and now only 28 points behind you, my friend. Mm. Hear them footsteps? Still behind me. You hear them footsteps? That only works on you in golf, Sam. Uh, it worked today again. Uh, <laughs> Alberto down to eighth. Uh, Taylor in ninth. Lindsay in tenth. Keith up to 11th. Rob drops down to 12th. Uh, Firecock stayed in 13th. Kenny in 14th. Gecko in 15th. And Russ uh, is still socially distant and, and very much adhering to the guidelines down in 16th. Not even fucking close to anybody. Heard. Very good. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up. Sammy, any parting words? Yeah, um, it was a beautiful day today. Yes, it was. I got some golf in. Uh, it was lovely outside. I almost died. You rode your Peloton. And I did not. Okay. I told you, it started ah, Saturday. Ah, you made you, you own a Peloton. <laughs> um, I almost died. We were uh, coming off the 16th green, 
and I was putting my club back in my bag uh, when the guys were teeing off at 17 and hit my cart and failed to say a fucking word. Oh, that was really nice of them. Uh, I found out that the ball was hitting my cart as it happened, uh, and I dove like I was in goddamn numb. Charlie's in the trees. (laughs) It was crazy. Uh, But other than that, um, through the magic of radio, of course, today is the last day to sign up for my charity weight loss challenge. Uh, $2 a pound. One will go to kick it out, which is anti-racism in football. Uh, And the other uh, dollar will go to the Craig Willinger fund, which is basically soccer make a wish um, is is an easy way to explain it to you. Um, So sign up today, Friday, uh, take every up till midnight. I will weigh in Friday afternoon. Uh, the goal is 45 days starting Saturday. I will drop a minimum of 10 pounds. Uh, once I drop those 10 pounds, the money still keeps going. It, it's not capped. But we are up to right now $39 per pound so far on pledges, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. So I have 45 days from Saturday to complete it. If I do not make it to 10 pounds, I uh, have to get a tattoo that I don't really want to get. Yes, you do. But I still get to pick where it goes. Yes, D-back. Because I have a wife to please. Right on your knuckles. Now, now (laughs) I'm not smoky. I can't do that. Oh no. I mean, be, be happy. I I'd have D back put across your dick and it wouldn't be like, welcome to Jamaica. Have a nice day. It would just say D B A C and it wouldn't go from being a millimeter apart to, um, two millimeters apart when, when it grew, it would still just have, (laughs) you'd see the periods between the D B A and C. Yeah. Thank that's, you. That's what would happen. All right. Well, very I simple. Wonder, do you think it'd be easier to tattoo a penis erect or flaccid? Uh, Isn't this injury time talk? I don't know. But anywho, I wanted to say real quick, <laughs> Sam, I want to make you get that tattoo no matter what. And I am willing to match up to. Nope. $500. If you, I will match up to $500. I myself personally will match the weight that every, when whatever the total is from everybody. So if you lose 10 pounds at 200, I'll match the 200, but I will match up to 500. Um, but for me to do that, I will allow you to put it wherever you want. I will allow you to design it however you want. If you get over 10 pounds, but you are to put D back on your body. D back or D U F S. I'll let you do either or. Okay. And you can, I mean, you can do D-back and you can hide it in a tattoo if you want. And it'd just be real tiny, D-B-A-C. You can totally do it. But I will only match if you put it on your body, no matter what. Okay. Well, uh, I will let everybody know my decision on Monday. Oh, come on. It's called suspense, my friend. You have to tune back in to figure it out. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up, boys and girls. Uh, Next up is injury time, where we're going to go ahead and preview a full slate of games, minus one, because Villa Fox over the weekend. And uh, Sam, how can you check out our injury time? Sure. Just one more time. You jump on to www.patreon.com backslash the football show and sign up to one of the top two tiers. The $5 tier will get you access to injury time, but the $9 tier, because tends to be much, has other perks and benefits. So make sure you give that a look and see if that's the option for you. Lovely. All right, everybody. Until next week. Peace. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Arsenal fans have another Sam 
walking good or grab. Smoke of a lord, but straight and short. Sam Grammy. Sam Graham. Hit the fucking new button!